Can Yannick Ngakwe transform the Chicago Bears into prime NFC North contenders? We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Kevin Ostrecker, one of the many NFL experts here on our network, also the host over at Locked On Ravens. We're free and available here on Locked On NFL, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. And thank you, everybody, whether you're on every day or you're listening each and every day. If it's your first time into the channel, the show, welcome in. Or if you're somewhere in between, thank you for your support here. This episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash Locked On NFL or enter promo code Locked On NFL for a white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. And we're back. We had the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. Football is back. And we're going to have, obviously, a lot more preseason action this upcoming weekend. But here today, I want to talk about the biggest storylines throughout the course of the last week. And we're first going to start off with Lauren Cox, the host of Locked On Bears, with the Bears signing Yannick Ngakwe. And whether the Bears may be your prime NFC North contenders now with Ngakwe. Could they be a top 10 defense 11 and all that with Lauren? Then we'll get into a conversation with Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints. Alvin Kamara suspended the Saints re-signing a guy in Cameron Jordan who's been there forever. So we'll talk about that in the second part of the show. Then finally, me being the host of Locked on Ravens, I will take it through the last part of the show and talk about the Ravens offense and why they just need a little time. Talk about big Ravens storylines as there are a couple of things just trickled in that I want to get to. So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears. The Chicago Bears signed Yannick Ngakwe, I think a much-needed move for their defense. Here to talk about that with me and more Chicago Bears is Lauren Cox, the host over at Locked On Bears. And Lauren, I know we've talked before about how needed it was for the Bears to sign a pass rusher considering their pass rush was, let's call them not good, last year. I think Ngakwe adds a lot to that defense. What, what was kind of your reaction to this signing, the money on the deal, Ngakwe coming into Chicago? What does he bring overall to this defense? Yeah, this was very clearly the biggest weakness left on this Chicago Bears defense and the thing that hadn't really been properly addressed this offseason. And their general manager like openly admitted like, hey, we can't fix every hole like this. This team needed a lot of work and we can't do literally everything. We can't just spend all our money on all these big free agents and draft everything and fix everything all at once. So it was kind of like, okay, we understand that it takes some time to do this, but these pass rushers have been sitting out in free agency this whole time. You have this big hole in the team. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Is this, this going to happen? Is it not? It started to feel like a conspiracy. Like, oh, they're going to sign one. It's going to happen at some point. They're going to get this done. And finally, what, a week and a half into training camp, they pull the trigger on a guy who they see as an every down pass rusher, an every down defensive end for them. He's never had fewer than eight sacks in a season, like eight to 12 range every year is in instantly a huge upgrade on that group that I think has a, a really strong ripple effect, not only on the rest of the defensive line, but really the rest of the defense as a whole that can really go a long way. And I think that with him, you know, the Bears have been adding to their defense. They, they signed Jermaine Edmonds, and they have a nice safety deal in the back there with Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker. It feels like, now again, you can't fill every single hole on the defense, but for I, I say this, Lauren, for defensive stats, I usually go off of yards per attempt instead of total yards. Now, it's not pretty 
either way for Chicago. Passing yards last year, they were last in the NFL in net yards per attempt given up on defense. Rushing, they were 27th in net yards per attempt given up. So what does Ngakwe do to transform that? Does Ngakwe transform the Bears' defense into a top-10 unit? Do, do, does he transform the Bears into an NFC North true contender? What, what does he do for this team? Yeah, I, I'm hesitant to get too hyperbolic about it, but like this was the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL last season, right? They had 20 sacks as a whole last year. They, it literally could not get worse than where they were last year, and being able to add a, a premier pass rusher in August can do so much for this group to elevate them. I, I, I'm not going to quite say top 10 just yet, but it certainly gets them a lot closer to 16, right? a lot closer to average to above average type of defense here. Like the strength is certainly on the back end in the secondary with uh, they've invested four second round picks uh, at cornerback and safety to really kind of over the course of the last few drafts to get young talent that's ascending there and a great way to help a young secondary give them pass rush, make sure that the quarterback can't just hold on to the ball for four or five seconds and have his way with them. And plus, as the, as the secondary gets better, the, the quarterback has to hold on to it longer because no one's open. It gives the pass rush more time, right? It's that symbiotic relationship between the two. And without Ngakwe, it was not a, a pretty group of proven – I mean, just, just nothing proven on the defensive line in terms of consistent production in that way. And so he can make – he can make the secondary's job easier. He'll make Justin Fields' job easier if the defense can, you know, shut down opposing offenses a little bit more, get after quarterbacks, cut down on some of those yards per attempt numbers because they don't have as much time to throw in because then the defensive coordinator doesn't have to blitz as much to try and get as much pressure. That was one of the things Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, said after the signing. Like, this gives us more flexibility on defense. Like, last year, by the end of the year, they had to blitz a bunch and just try and find any way they could to try and get any kind of pressure on the opposing quarterback. Now they can sit back, be more multiple in coverage and, and not be as predictable defensively and in theory, get those numbers back up to a respectable range. Yeah, it just seems like there's just an overall peace of mind for you, Lauren, and Bears fans having a guy like Ngakwe in there. I mean, what was it like? I, I, I just want you to put it in perspective. What it was like before Ngakwe in that pass rush room heading into this season and how big of a difference Ngakwe can make with those guys? Yeah, the, the way I sort of measured this was like, if you took every player on the Bears defensive line and took their career high sack numbers and say everybody that was already on the roster this season has a career best year and ties their career best year. That group as a whole would have been like 20 or 22 sacks. Like it still would have been about the worst passers in the NFL if they all had their best ever career season. So then you would be expecting guys to have better than they've ever had before to, to be able to put together a pass rush here. Like it got quite comes in and you automatically expecting, you know, another eight sacks added to that in addition to the pressures and the quarterback hits. And, you know, he certainly comes with, perhaps deficiencies in the running game, but I think the bears feel like they've got enough bulk up front and they invested in the linebacker position as well to kind of withstand some of that from him and still rotate a bunch of different guys. And it just moves everybody another step down the depth chart. So instead of like relying on so many young players to have to rotate in and play five, six, 800 snaps this season, you know, they're all down another step. So everyone can stay a little bit more fresh. And certainly as the Philadelphia Eagles showed us last year, you can never have too many good young pass rushers. So, I mean, there are bears fans that still want to sign another one. Like I know Justin Houston just got signed, but there were fans that were like, Hey, let's get Ngakwe and Houston add more. You can never have too many good pass rushers And the bears. Even still like Ngakwe doesn't solve all the pass rush problem, but gets you back to a respectable level. Right, yeah, I know one player can't solve everything, but I think Ngakwe helps a ton, and especially in an NFC North division, Lauren, that, you know, Jordan Love coming in for his first year as a starter in Green Bay. Obviously, Kirk Cousins led the Vikings to an incredible record, but we don't know what that team's going to be this year. In Detroit, Jared Goff had a really good year last year, but can he continue that success? What does Ngakwe do maybe for the, the Bears' NFC North chances? 
yeah, I think when you look at like how they stack up in this division, like all of those other three teams have invested a lot of offensive tackle in recent years. I know the Packers are still kind of unsure on David Bakhtiari's reliability and his health there, but like these are offensive lines that are that tend to be a little bit more tackle dominated in that way. And you know, with the Bears going in with the likes of Travis Gibson and Demarcus Walker potentially as the starters before in Gakwe, like they were going to be able to leave those guys kind of one-on-one there and, and not be too worried about it and not need to leave extra tight ends in the block. But Ngakwe is that guy who's going to get more of that attention and leave more of those one-on-one matchups perhaps on the interior where the Bears used two early draft picks this year and signed a couple of free agents on the defensive tackle spot to try and get some of that interior pass rush. And I just think with, with as wide open of a division as this is right now, we know Goff is a quarterback that has struggled with pressure and the Lions did a great job keeping him clean last year, but when you do get pressure, he he really melts quite a bit. Kirk Cousins the same way. Like those guys need structure to be at their absolute best. And too often last season, the Bears were defense that were allowing the other the other the opposing quarterback to be in structure, and they could tear up their secondary up and down the field. And Gakwe, whether it's him doing it or him creating better matchups for his teammates, it should allow them to be a little bit more disruptive and not let these quarterbacks in particular get comfortable in the pocket. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this move for Chicago, for sure. But, Lauren, I know we're about a week or a little over a week in the training camp for the Bears. All eyes are on Justin Fields, and if he can take yet another leap, as we've talked about before. how How's the team look so far? Yeah, everything has been coming together, I think, offensively the way they've wanted. They've had, you know, certainly everybody's got ups and downs, right? But, like, DJ Moore and Justin Fields have had an instant connection that is really really blossomed quickly. I think even more quick than we might've anticipated, but those guys are on the same page right away, starting to already do some of the like nonverbal communication adjustments to play. So I think that that's going full speed ahead. And Chase Claypool has been kind of the training camp leader this year of of guy who just is standing out and starting to look more like the Chase Claypool that the bears were hoping to get when they traded for him last season. Now, will that mean in the regular season, it's he's great again. I'm, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit there, but at least he's doing everything you want him to be doing at this stage of the game. No real concerns there. They've just got a a number of injuries on the offensive line right now. And that's, that's the other half of this equation with Justin Fields, right? It's like, he needs to be able to get rid of the ball more quickly. They need to be able to give him more time and not just have to rely on him to scramble and create things for himself. So you want that group to be as, as solidified as possible. And I think they're very confident in that group when they're healthy and their starting five is on the field. But when you got a backup center and both backup guards in there right now at, at practice, it's not quite the regular season crew in there trying to sort of replicate that in, in training camp practices. So they're going to take it low, slow and steady with those guys and not worry too much at this stage. It's too early to panic by any means. But I think the development is where you want them to be at training camp, but the real test will come when the bullets are flying. And it's not just, you know, the quarterback in an orange jersey and can't actually be touched, but when it actually happens, that's where the development really comes for Justin Fields. Major shout out to Lauren for talking bears with me here. For more on Lauren's work, of course, be sure to check out him over at Locked On Bears, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in the second part of the show, we will be diving into a conversation with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints, talking Cameron Jordan, talking, of course, Alvin Kamara, and so much more coming up next here on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs are incredible. Bird Dogs make you look good, and Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better, and they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton. I like movement whenever I wear shorts, and Bird Dogs does a really good job at making sure you're not stiff. Plus, Bird Dogs fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches out so you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And Bird Dogs is anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that it keeps you cool and dry all day long, which I really like as well. 
and go to birddogs.com right now slash locked on NFL or into promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat with your order. The hat is actually really sweet. I wear it all the time and it's something that yeah, I was looking for a good hat and bird dogs. They, they had me covered there with that hat. So again, go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter promo code locked on NFL for that free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. We're back our second segment of Locked On NFL here on Monday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you talking football. We're going to be talking Saints now with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. The Alvin Kamara suspension officially gets handed down. Cameron Jordan extended. We'll talk about all that and more now with Ross. Well, the New Orleans Saints finally got some news on their running back Alvin Kamara and his suspension earlier in the week here to talk about that with me and more saints is ross jackson the host over at locked on saints and ross i know this was anticipated by a lot of people even dating back to potentially last year when kamara actually played the full mm-hmm. season but we finally get word alvin kamara suspended for three games due to his incident that happened now over a year ago i know we've talked about it before ross but was this right in line with maybe what you were thinking lengthwise of the suspension or maybe a little more or a little less yeah, I, I kind of had the range after his felony battery charge dropped to a misdemeanor breach of peace charge. I put a range of about two to six games. And so three games hits right on the lower end of that spectrum. And Kevin, I cannot be more clear than this. This is a massive win for the New Orleans Saints. This could not have gone better for them. Uh, they know weeks before the games that he will miss. Mickey Loomis, the general manager, spoke to us before training camp began. And he mentioned that, look, sometimes with these interceptions, they know uh, interceptions, these suspensions, the interceptions happen immediately. But with the uh, suspensions, you either kind of know a few weeks ahead of time to a month or so ahead of time. But there have been cases where they've had players suspended with eight, ga- eight days notice. And so this they, 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 they know early uh, it's only three games and it's the first three games of the season, which are not games that are unwinnable for them against the Tennessee Titans, Carolina Panthers, and the new look Green Bay Panthers, uh, Green Bay Packers. This just simply could not have fallen better for the New Orleans Saints. And I know they prepared for this, Ross, with mm-hmm. signing Jamal Williams. They drafted Kendra Miller, too. How confident are you in those guys that, one, they can take over for Kamara in those first couple of games, but then also continue to play a really solid role alongside him when he comes back? Well, the wheel route that we just watched Kendra Miller run for a touchdown and seven on sevens today at New Orleans Saints practice, I think is a pretty good indication that I think they're going to be okay. Uh, You know, look, Jamal Williams has slimmed down. He went from 230 when he was with the Detroit Lions down to about 217. Now, some of that's the New Orleans heat. Uh, The rest of it is just simply that he's kind of shaping himself up for a more versatile role, uh, one that allows him to be a pass catcher as well as a runner, and the one that allows him to run around and outside the tackles as opposed to inside the tackle box only. And now you're seeing a rookie, Kendra Miller, who's got good time, good breakaway speed, great one-cut ability, and is showing now that he can run routes and be a receiver. I think that the Saints with those two guys and maybe a third guy, watch out for a, a young man named uh, Kirk Merritt, who's actually a, a New Orleans area native. He's from the city of Destrahan here, who is a converted wide receiver to running back, converting this offseason. And so if you want somebody that's going to be able to catch passes out the backfield, why not make it the, the, the old wide receiver, the former wide receiver? So I do think that they'll be able to maintain that Alvin Kamara playbook pretty considerably and still be able to produce on the ground, even without Alvin Kamara in the game those first three games. 
Yeah, they, they had a plan at running back, I think, you know, with the Kamara suspension now being handed down, you know what that is. You have the depth there, and then Kamara's a pretty good player on the field himself when he comes back. But, Ross, let's move over to defense. The Saints announcing an extension with Cam Jordan, who has been there forever, but he's, he's a New Orleans <laughs> legend. A two-year extension for Cam Jordan. Were, were you expecting this to happen? Yes, it was the move that the New Orleans Saints should have made many, 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 many weeks ago. Uh, it was the one thing that we were all watching and going, okay, when are they going to do this? When is Cam Jordan's extension? Cam Jordan has had three goals since the moment that he got here to New Orleans. One was that he wanted to become the franchise's all-time sack leader. He owns the official record for that. If you go back and count some of the sacks for uh, rush pass rush legend Ricky Jackson before they actually started counting sacks, Ricky Jackson still has about a seven-and-a-half sack lead. But Cam Jordan owns the official sack record at 115.5 for the franchise. He wanted to be finish his career as a lifer with the New Orleans Saints, and he wanted to win a Super Bowl. He hasn't gotten the Super Bowl yet, but this two-year expen- uh, this two-year uh, extension that kicks in after his 13th year, which effectively gives him a 14th and a 15th season, gives him the opportunity to do exactly what he wanted to do, just like his dad, Steve Jordan, the legendary tight end out of the Minnesota Vikings, to finish his career with the team that he started his NFL career. With. So he's going to get two out of the three for sure. We'll see if he can get that third. He really wants to be able to win that Super Bowl. Uh, but nonetheless, this was the move that the New Orleans Saints needed to make. And I'm very glad to see that they got it done. Yeah, well, obviously, I think the Saints have a, have a good shot to win their division. I know so much uncertainty in the NFC South this year, Ross, but the Saints have built a, a pretty good roster, in my opinion. But how have they looked so far in training camp? What have kind of your early takeaways been so far? Yeah, uh, the way that I would say, the thing that I'll start with is that the defense has been spectacular. Uh, Outside corner, Marshawn Lattimore, who was a 2017 offensive, uh, excuse me, defensive rookie of the year, while Alvin Kamara was the offensive rookie of the year that year, uh, has been lights out throughout camp. He's playing some of the best football we've ever seen him play. And he's already been really good out on the field, and now he's looking even better. I think that if this team wants to have that defensive identity, especially with a defensive head coach in Dennis Allen, everything that we've seen over the course of training camp says that they're off on the, at least that they've started off on the right foot into getting there. They're on the right track to being that team. The offense though, what that means is, and this is the caveat, is that when you go out there and try to make sure that your defense is the best defense in the NFL, it means that your offense has to play against the best defense of the NFL every single day. And so because of that, it's been a little bit of a struggle for the offense to just consistently find their moments. They're stacking moments. They're getting theirs. Uh, but it hasn't been as consistent. So you want to see Derek Carr and this New Orleans Saints offense kind of settle in and start making plays. But it's an iron sharpens iron situation. The offense right now just a little bit more dull, but I think it will eventually become more sharpened. The issue, though, is staying healthy. This is a team that started a record number of players just two years ago, dealt with a litany of injuries last year, including, again, to their starting quarterback, their starting uh, wide receivers, their running backs, their offensive line, everything. Almost everybody got hurt. Their offensive line as it was intended to be, never took a single snap together in 2022. They're starting secondary as it was intended to be, never took a single snap together in 2022. So far in 2023, things aren't looking great. They've had three season-ending injuries already, uh, a couple of other injuries that are of concern, including Demario Davis going in for imaging. That's the team's kind of heart and soul on the defensive side, uh, on his calf, and he's missed a couple of games. It, it's not been great from that perspective. Yeah, obviously, you know, you you don't want to go through injuries at all. They, they're going to happen right. because this is the NFL. But yes. hopefully the Saints will get a little better luck as training camp and the preseason goes on. But, Ross, how are you feeling about the team entering the preseason? I mentioned the I, – I call it the uncertainty of the mm-hmm. NFC South. Do you think that the Saints should be favored to win the division by everybody this year? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're the only team in this division right now with a an established quarterback Baker Mayfield right now over in Tampa Bay the reports are saying that he's not even really able to distance himself from Kyle Trask who's never really even played in the NFL before and so that's a little bit concerning we all know who Baker Mayfield is you in particular have seen him over and over again year in and year out uh, in that uh, AFC North division but you know look Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons if they get one thing right they'll get a lot of things right uh, Bryce Young, if he turns the corner super quickly. So I, I think that the New Orleans Saints should be favored uh, going in, but I don't think that guarantees that they'll win. And I can understand people taking the maybe the longer odds on teams like Carolina and Atlanta because they're going to be super talented. They just have to show that they're going to be able to get it done and uh, at the quarterback position. And I think maybe that's where the edge is for the Saints. Ross brings that Saints insight, that excellent Saints insight, I'll say, every single day. And if you want to check him out over at the Locked On Saints podcast, be sure to do so. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'll be rounding out the show in the final segment with me. I'll be taking you through the latest on the Baltimore Ravens, talking about their offense, where they are right now, a couple of other notes about the team, and more. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel's giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any season to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So if you want to bet on the Bears, you know, if, you, if you're feeling good, if you're feeling good about the Bears and Lauren, what he talked about on our first segment here on Locked On NFL, you can bet on the Bears. Maybe the Saints, you liked what Ross had to say in the second part of the show, you can do that. Or maybe the Ravens, and you like what I have to say about the Ravens coming up in the final part of the show, you can do that as well. And there are so many things you knew over at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. We're back here, our final segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker still here with you, rounding on our Monday edition. Be sure to subscribe for free, audio form, video form, wherever you get your podcasts, we are available. But me being the host of Locked On Ravens, I'm going to take you through a little bit about the Ravens so far throughout this training camp period. And, you know, if you've heard me talk either on Locked On Ravens or here on this show before Locked On NFL, the Ravens are going through a bit of an offensive transformation, I would call it. As they fire Greg Roman, they hire Todd Munkin, and that offensive coordinator shift is going to, I think, help the Ravens in the long term. But it hasn't necessarily been, I'd say, wonderful in the short term. Now, early on in training camp, it was expected, right? Baltimore's offense is going to need some time to get acclimated, understand the new playbook, understand the new play calls. And they've also brought in new players. Odell Beckham Jr. comes in from free agency. Zay Flowers, they drafted in the first round. They're trying to get everybody acclimated while also learning a new offensive system. So, for example, on Saturday, the Ravens offense threw nine interceptions. Yes, N-I-N-E, nine interceptions. But that was in a drill. I know Isaiah Likely, the Ravens tight end, clarified this. So did Marlon Humphrey, the Ravens corner. It was pretty much in a drill that was third and long, which naturally favors the defense. The offense faces an uphill battle in those drills. Now, again, you don't want to be throwing any interceptions, but it at least provides context into why there was such a high level of interceptions throughout the course of the day. Now, I feel like this point in the offseason, like this point in training camp, you're you're not expected to have everything, right? You know, you have to be you, you want to be as as much on top of things as you can be 
But it's not expected that, oh, you're in regular season form. Every mistake is ironed out. This is what training camp is for. So for a team in Baltimore who has seen, I think, flashes from their offense, they've seen flashes from Lamar. They've seen flashes from Odell. Zay Flowers looks like one of the best rookies in this draft class already that people literally cannot guard him on the Ravens defense. They have to hold him. They have to grab him. Peter King did a feature on the Ravens. I think the Ravens were his sixth training camp he went to. He said Zay Flowers looked the best out of any rookie he'd seen through those six days. And that's high praise coming from Peter King. So Baltimore has the pieces, and plus they still have Mark Andrews. J.K. Dobbins hasn't participated yet. It feels like that's a hold-in situation. Who knows when he's going to be back? That's another thing to monitor. Rashad Bateman, another injury to monitor as well. But I'm not necessarily, you know, absolutely pushing the panic button right now and saying the sky is falling because just over a week in a training camp, Baltimore's offense hasn't hit on all cylinders. Now, what I will say is that I think once you hit the regular season, Baltimore's schedule, it's, it's a little interesting. So they play the Texans in the opening week. They also play the Colts in week three. Those are two games the Ravens should probably win. But week two, four, and five, they play all their AFC North opponents on the road. So by the time week five is over, Baltimore will not have, will not have to play a divisional road game for the remainder of the season which is very weird scheduling, but it can go, I'd probably say one of two or maybe one of three ways where Baltimore either starts really well in the division, three and zero would be great, two and one, I think would be more than acceptable. And you get those road games out of the way. You can be kind of middling. You maybe lose one of those games to the Texans or the Colts. And, you know, that's kind of a disappointing loss, but you make it up with divisional wins or it can be disaster. Like Baltimore's offense isn't on the same page. And it's it's a little bit different because the Ravens have essentially fired two coordinators in two seasons. They they fired Don Martindale, or they, they framed it as parting ways. So they parted ways with Don Martindale last offseason, bringing Mike McDonald. And then obviously this offseason, it was Roman to Munkin. The difference between Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald is that Mike McDonald did not have any such play calling experience at the NFL level. You know, he was a first time as a coordinator last season. Todd Munkin has four years of play calling experience at the NFL level, three in Tampa Bay, one in Cleveland. So you would expect like the, the defense last year struggled early on, but came on super late. And I think part of that was just Mike McDonald getting his feet under him after just feeling out and learning the difference between calling a game at Michigan at the college level and calling, calling a game with the Ravens at the NFL level. For Todd Munkin, I don't think there's going to be as much of that because he is a veteran coach and has good play calling experience at the NFL level, but it's just a matter of can, can the players pick it up in time. And, and I think the wrinkles of Dobbins and Bateman do add something because these guys are expected to play really big roles. The Ravens is here, assuming they're on the field. But if they come back with like a week before training camp, I think, you know, Dobbins can control his comeback a little more than Bateman can. Bateman, I think, is truly, you know, injured and recovering. Dobbins, it feels like, is more of the hold than as I talked about. But it, it, what if it's like a week to go before the season starts? I'd say if Dobbins comes back today or tomorrow, then, you know, he probably gets the workload I was expecting him to, but I think Baltimore would probably hold him back a little bit just to get him up to speed physically and with the playbook on the field with reps. So maybe that impacts who the Ravens actually give snaps to in week one, which is a whole nother storyline. The defense overalls looked pretty solid. I'd say the defense is probably won most of the days for Baltimore so far. And again, to be expected, Lamar, but it's not like Lamar hasn't made plays. It's not Nelson Aguilar has been a stud of training camp. On the defensive side of the ball, there are a couple areas Baltimore could look to improve. Cornerback is one, edge rusher, pass rush is the other one. 
Justin Houston, who played in Baltimore for the past two seasons yesterday, signed with Carolina, the Carolina Panthers. So that's one guy they're not going to be able to bring back. They were flirting with Calvin Noy a little bit to want Smoot before he went back to Jacksonville. So it feels like they're looking at options. I just don't know. I mean, at this point, it feels like Jadavian Clowney is the big fish left. You know, I was kind of honing in on Ngakwe or Houston or Clowney or Van Noy. Van Noy is another guy who I'd be totally fine with. But I'd say early on now, Baltimore is not in any sort of panic mode. If we're still getting, you know, really I'd say lackluster offensive updates a week before the season starts, then maybe you can start to worry a little bit more. But for now, I'm, I'm kind of okay with how the offseason is progressing. Because again, you want to have this, these mistakes made now in training camp as opposed to the regular season when, of course, they would count. But that's all I have for you here today on Lockdown NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form, and thank you for all the support. When we get back here tomorrow, more NFL content from your Tuesday host. Be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On NFL.